My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. A lot of artists ask, what can I do? I've had so many conversations over the years with musicians, particularly around what's happening in Palestine. When the Israeli government and military forces were bombing Gaza in May 2021, a lot of musicians reached out, including some very well-known artists saying, you know, we should say something. That's the voice of Stefan Christoph. He's today's guest on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. Stefan Christoph is an activist and a musician based in Jajage, or Montreal. His grassroots political work started when he was a teen, and he's been involved in struggles related to everything from opposing police brutality, to anti-capitalism, to migrant justice, to supporting indigenous land defenders across so-called Canada. And, for more than two decades, he's worked in support of Palestinian struggles for justice and liberation. Christoph has always seen the Palestinian struggle as integrally interconnected with both indigenous struggles within and against so-called Canada, and the great anti-colonial struggles around the world in the 20th century. All are fundamentally about the land, the colonial states involved draw from similar repertoires of oppressive practices, and the struggles are interconnected too, not just in an abstract way, but concretely. Contemporary manifestations of Palestinian struggle clearly draw on lineages that include the anti-apartheid fight in South Africa and the liberation movements that threw off the yoke of European empire in the middle of the last century. As for his music, Christoph has been releasing it publicly for about 10 years. His work is generally instrumental and often experimental. He uses music as a way to process the demands of constant frontline organizing and to nourish himself. And he uses it as a way to build community through the shared pleasure and creativity of playing together and also through putting on musical events meant to raise awareness and sometimes funds in support of particular struggles. One way that these two sides of Christoph's work come together is in Musicians for Palestine, an initiative that he coordinates that brings together musicians from around the world to speak up on behalf of the Palestinian struggle for freedom, justice, and equality. The campaign initially formed in response to the Israeli state's military assault on Gaza in May 2021. Christoph had found that lots of musicians were asking the same question that many of us ask when faced with some great injustice. What can we do? So he decided to make use of his experience as an organizer to build, with others, on the engagement around these issues that had been happening within Montreal's multiple overlapping music scenes over many years. From these local networks, people then reached out through networks of musicians that spanned the globe. It was a long, challenging process requiring many one-on-one conversations, with lots of listening and lots of grassroots educational work. In addition, it all happened in ongoing dialogue with Palestinian communities on the ground and Palestinian-led activist organizations. But ultimately, Musicians for Palestine was able to release a collective statement in support of the Palestinian people endorsed by hundreds of musicians from around the world, which, as hoped, was covered by many of the major outlets in the world's music press. 
Following that initial success, Musicians for Palestine developed a second statement, which it released in September 2022. This one organized around the idea that even when the plight of the Palestinian people is not in the headlines, it's still important to speak up. One or both of these statements have been endorsed by musicians like Patti Smith, members of The Roots and Sonic Youth, Boots Riley, Asian Dub Foundation, The Hallucination, formerly known as A Tribe Called Red, FKA Twigs, Lido Pimienta, Denzel Curry, plenty of young hip-hop artists associated with Black Lives Matter organizing, and hundreds and hundreds of others. A key element for Kristoff in building support for these statements is maintaining a clear distinction between the Israeli people and the Israeli state. It is the latter that is the target of criticism and organizing, much like when we oppose the role of the Canadian state in colonial violence against indigenous peoples here. And he said that in the time that he has been active on this issue, he's seen a real shift. Not only have mainstream human rights organizations like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International come to recognize that Israeli state practices meet the definition of apartheid, but he said that increasing numbers of ordinary people in North America are coming to realize the importance of speaking out on the issue. I speak with Christoph about Musicians for Palestine. Hi, I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. I'm a musician, student, and a community organizer. I coordinate an international initiative called Musicians for Palestine. This was formed through a network of musicians globally working together to respond to the Israeli government's attack on Gaza, Palestine in May 2021 but it came out of years of organizing in the arts to support Palestinian human rights. What other kinds of grassroots political work have you been involved in before and beyond Musicians for Palestine? I've been involved in social activism since I was a teenager, and the work around Palestine is extending now for over 20 years. I work on supporting Palestinian human rights as connected to other struggles for justice around the world. I think that when we focus on Palestine, it's always important to connect the situation there with other urgent points of crisis globally and other communities that are struggling for justice and dignity. I've been deeply involved, for example, in supporting Indigenous struggles, particularly in recent years, to support in tangible ways locally here in Geogiage in Montreal, the Wet'suwet'en struggle against the coastal gas link pipeline. That's one very recent example of more than 20 years of organizing around Indigenous-led struggles for the land. I also participated directly in the Grassy Narrows Algonquin community blockades when they put up roadblocks to protest the clear-cutting of their traditional territories. And I've spent time with the Sequimic people when they were protesting the expansion of the corporate ski resort Sun Peaks and particularly worked with the Native youth movement at the time. That's just a few examples. But for me, over time, it's been important to understand how there's patterns of systemic violence and the ways that colonial infrastructure appropriates territory. You can see that in Palestine, and you can see that on traditional Indigenous territories here. This is a systemic issue. And I think it's always important to understand what's happening in Palestine, not as disconnected from the more systemic realities of neocolonialism on an international level. And it's also very important to not exceptionalize what's happening in Palestine, but to see it as part of a global reality. And talk a bit about your music. I've been releasing music in a public setting since around 2012. 
I've always tried to work on projects that are related to the activism that I'm involved in. Often the music that I work on is instrumental music, experimental also. For me, music is one aspect of trying to find balance and my consistent involvement in activism. I do need space and time to process that type of intense frontline organizing. And playing music has always been a way that I've done that. And it's also a way to build community. Often when you're playing with people, improvising and working together to create pieces, there's a lot of sense of shared understanding that's developed beyond words. And I think that's really important. I've often worked in creating ensembles to also create big benefit concerts or collaborative events around different political issues that I've been involved in over the years. And, you know, Musicians for Palestine was a project that came out of over a decade of organizing concerts locally that were called Artists Against Apartheid, that were trying to create a community space for artists to speak together about what's happening in Palestine and improvise and work together to have creative moments of shared community. And, you know, often the music at these shows wasn't like super slogan based, but was often more beautiful and reflective. And I think that that's important to have that space to reflect, to have that space to create, and to see that as part of the process of activism. I think that often activism is understood as only the moments that are in the headlines, but it's much broader than that. And to be involved in these issues over a lifetime, you need to take different approaches. And music has been a really important part of that for me. What's your understanding of the struggle in Palestine, both its underlying dynamic and its key features in recent years? There's a lot of movements around the world for justice, and they're all important. I think this situation is really unique in the sense that Palestinians are calling for people to act globally in a very specific way. And that took decades to get together, right? Like this goes back to the 1960s and 70s in the context of anti-colonial liberation struggles when we saw decolonization movements really taking force globally from Algeria to Ghana, the non-aligned movement globally looking at the role of even Yugoslavia and India, Egypt, where these countries coming out of the reality of colonialism were working together to support anti-colonial struggles. And tangibly speaking, in the 1970s, that meant that a lot of countries were boycotting the Israeli state because this was seen as a contemporary example at the time of colonialism and the encroachment of uh, government, the Israeli state backed by the United States and Western Europe that was encroaching on indigenous lands and against the collective interests of an indigenous population, the Palestinian people. It took many, many years for that to be translated from a global decolonial movement of national liberation struggle into something that we could translate today into the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. But I think we can only understand its existence from that context. Today in Palestine, you have the reality of Gaza being totally blockaded from the outside world. This is more than a decade since the air, land, and sea of that territory has been completely cut off. To get basic construction supplies, medical supplies into Gaza is often difficult. 
In the West Bank, you have the continued construction of Israeli government-backed settlements on traditional Palestinian lands, villages. You have Palestinian olive farmers who are getting their crops destroyed by Israeli settlers, often again backed by the Israeli government. We see this process of colonial encroachment. It's very similar to what happened in Western United States and Western Canada. You have thousands of Palestinians in jail, often in this process called administrative detention, where there's no legal process. Palestinian organizations like Adamir have clearly documented this reality. You even have Palestinian children in Israeli administrative detention camps run by the Israeli government. Defense for Children International has documented this. All these realities on the ground have come together and created a situation that last year both Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch declared apartheid. Of course, this is a term that's mirroring what happened in apartheid South Africa. This basically means that you have the clear delineation of rights based on racial categories that is translated on the ground through an occupation of the Israeli military and a series of laws that discriminate directly against Palestinian people. How did Musicians for Palestine initially develop? Often, a lot of artists ask similar questions, but one of the questions around points of injustice around the world is, what can I do? I've had so many conversations over the years with musicians, particularly around what's happening in Palestine. And when the Israeli government and military forces were bombing Gaza in May 2021, a lot of musicians reached out, including some very well-known artists saying, you know, we should say something. But a lot of them didn't have experience to organize a collective declaration. That's more of an experience you would gather in the context of activism. So I worked with a group of musicians, Jesse Stein, Nicholas Shar. Yassine Al-Salman, also known as Narsi, and we drafted a declaration. I coordinated this and worked with the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Palestinian campaign that is organized by Palestinians. I sort of coordinated with them and other groups internationally. We started working with artists in South Africa, in Chile particularly, also in France, Germany, the UK, Italy. Lebanon, Egypt, Jordan, Iran, and other places internationally to start working together to mobilize, to make a statement. This was a huge process, very difficult in the sense of the amount of logistics and coordination is very high level. I think we were successful in having an intervention within the music world press. That was our goal to make sure that the music world journalism going on through outlets like Enemy and the UK, Pitchfork.com, Rolling Stone would report the fact that artists are saying something together about the situation in Palestine. We organized in May 2021 to make that statement. After that was released globally, there was a huge response around the world. Hundreds, maybe thousands actually of musicians wrote us wanting to also join this process. And so just recently in September 2022, we released a second list of supporters, over 900 musicians globally to basically outline that despite Palestine not being in the headlines, that there's a lot of interest to continue expressing collectively support for Palestinian human rights as musicians. 
this got coverage internationally again. And we actually organized an event in the West Bank at Al Jazeer Cultural Center, where there was a four-hour live radio broadcast and gathering that was mirrored in different countries on various stations. Dive into those difficult logistics a bit more. What was involved, practically, in building something like this with global reach? This whole process wouldn't be possible if I didn't have a strong local network here in Montreal of musicians who I've talked with for over 15 to 20 years about these issues. So that was really the base of the process, having strong local context. You know, Montreal is a center for creative music. Everybody knows that. So the fact that the experimental, creative, hip-hop, rock, jazz, different scenes locally, a lot of people were already aware because of a lot of initiatives that have happened directly here on the ground, created a context where there was already a strong base. And I think that led to a lot of people taking note in different places. The entire thing that we organized was done through social networks. We didn't work with companies or managers, but, you know, reaching out to artists like The Roots or Patti Smith or, you know, the Sonic Youth crew, this was all done through our own existing relationships. This took time. It took years of conversations. It took years of organizing and the patience also of the fact that at different times in this process, some people had questions about like, well, for example, if you're boycotting Israel, what does that mean of the fact that, you know, maybe I want to collaborate with a saxophone player who lives in Israel? Our point has always been really clear is that this is a process to target the Israeli state. And, you know, from a Canadian context, when somebody's critical of the RCMP or the Canadian government for their actions against Indigenous people, I don't take personal offense to that, right? I would support that. Drawing that line is really clear. Like, you know, if we're critical of the Canadian government in the Canadian context, right, that's not a critique of us as individuals. That's a critique of the state. So I think this idea that people are affiliated to a state is problematic and not cool. So I would continually talk with people about that, but also take the time to listen to where people are at. So that process was many years in the making. Also, in terms of organizing this initiative, we really wanted to make sure also to consult clearly with the Palestinian campaign for the academic and cultural boycott of Israel and the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement, which are Palestinian-led organizations, but also work with Palestinian artists. So there was a lot of networks coming out from the International Solidarity Movement, the ISM, that sent activists from around the world on the invitation of Palestinian and Israeli activists to the West Bank, where people would participate in collective direct actions against enclosures of Palestinian villages, against the destruction of olive trees, a lot of actions that were trying to create a context on the ground where internationals and Palestinians were protesting the occupation together. This context on the ground in Palestine also helped boost our work because we had clear relationships with Palestinian communities on the ground and they knew us for a long, long time. So a lot of the activists myself and others, were connected to this international solidarity initiative globally. So initiating musicians for Palestine just sort of emerged from these existing contexts. Give listeners a sense of some of the key substance of the statement released in September. 
The recent statement was released to say that even though Palestine is not in the news, we want to continue talking about it. I think sometimes it's important to not follow the media cycle. The statement highlighted some key issues, including the killing of a Palestinian journalist who worked for Al Jazeera. It's been made very clear now that Shireen Abu Akleh was killed by an Israeli bullet. We talked about that. We talked about particular villages that are facing ethnic cleansing. We talked about the ongoing siege of Gaza. Basically, it was like an update saying like, since we released a statement, since the bombing of Gaza in May 2021, unfortunately, the situation remains really violent. And the systematic issues that Palestinians face continue. So it's important to keep talking about it. What's the response in the media been like, particularly, you know, beyond the core circles you'd predict to be supportive? Well, there's like a mainstream music press, right? Like there's a lot of pages that people read pretty seriously, magazines and websites. Our strategy was really to get this into the music press, which we did. It was all over the music press for a few days. And so there is a lot of response. Our website was flooded with people reaching out to us, people who are supportive of the Israeli government sending us very violent messages, of course, but then also hundreds more musicians who wanted to join. A lot of online and community radio stations, for example, have played the five-hour mix of music from the artists who supported that we put out. You can find that through the Musicians for Palestine page on SoundCloud. We worked with Radio Al-Hara in Palestine to put that together. So it was great to work with like a collective local Palestinian radio station to do that. The response has been serious. And so we'll continue forward with this initiative. We can't put out statements all the time because it's such a massive undertaking, but we will put one out again in 2023. So in your experience over two decades of work on this issue, how have conversations about it with people in the Canadian context who are not themselves directly impacted by or involved with it changed over that time? The change is huge, especially within progressive circles and networks. A lot of people, when I was first involved in this movement to support Palestine, like back in 2001, 2002, 2003, were like, oh, well, you know, it's complicated and, you know, there's two sides to the story. And we really had to like work to cut through that argument because we're not talking about Israeli people. We're talking about the Israeli government. It's like, for example, during the Iraq war, if people were critical of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, that didn't mean that we were against all people who live in the United States. Or if people are critical of Canadian mining companies' actions all over the world. And unfortunately, Canadian mining companies are super disastrous in many contexts globally. That doesn't mean we're against Canadian artists or something, right? So when it comes to what's going down in Palestine, we had to cut through this idea that pro-Israeli state people often do. It's like, if you're criticizing the Israeli government, you're criticizing, you know, all Israeli people or something, which is just not acceptable. It's a way of sidestepping actually addressing what's going on in Palestine. So we had to cut through that. It's a process. I'm happy to have that conversation with people. But I've had hundreds of those conversations, and it takes time. What's going on on the ground in Palestine is a disaster. 
the colonization, the Israeli raids, the killing of civilians by Israeli soldiers in that context. And it's important to find ways that we can say something collectively together about that. There's much more openness to talking about what's happening in Palestine today than there was 20 years ago. And I think the links between the Palestine Solidarity Movement and Black Lives Matter was really important in mainstreaming some of this. So there's a lot of change happening. But what's important is to figure out how will that change actually translate to what's going on on the ground in Palestine. That needs to happen, which means cutting off military aid and military cooperation. Canadian arms companies send a lot of weapons to the Israeli military. That has to stop. So getting into the nuts and bolts of also how Canadian companies, particularly arms companies, are involved in sending military technology to the Israeli government is important. Canada has a free trade agreement with Israel. The Trudeau government revamped that and updated it with pride recently. Even within the Liberal Party, there's a split that's developing. A lot of younger MPs who I talk with are open to supporting Palestinian human rights, but the leadership of the Liberal Party won't. The NDP has made some shifts in this direction, but it's a process. I think we'll take another decade before we see major policy changes, but I think it's possible that it will happen. You said that in some ways, Musicians for Palestine started as an answer to the question, what can I do? Of course, signing on to your statements is now one answer to that question, but what else would you suggest to musicians who are asking themselves that about Palestine? Musicians for Palestine is a platform that we can use to say something together. This spreads the word, it creates community, it creates connection, it creates a process through which people can engage together to talk about what's happening in Palestine. And yeah, there's a variety of initiatives. There's many important Palestinian organizations to support. I think Medical Aid for Palestine that works in Gaza, they're based between Gaza and the UK, is excellent. Also Ademir, which I mentioned before, which is a Palestinian political prisoner rights association. Defense for Children International in Palestine is another very important organization. There's many groups to support, even if, you know, having a community benefit concert to raise funds might seem small. It's less about the funds. It's more about the process of speaking together, of creating a space and for people to gather and to talk about what's happening in Palestine. I think that's what's important. If you end up finding a way to send $200 to Defense for Children International in Palestine that defends Palestinian political prisoners as children, and there's many teenagers locked up in Israeli state administrative detention facilities, that's cool. What's important is that people come together to support that organization, right? What's important is for people to talk and to create community around these issues, to talk about interconnections. You know, what's the parallels we can understand between the Canadian colonial state and the Israeli colonial state? What does solidarity look like? How do we learn more about what's happening in Palestine? What Canadian arms companies are doing in terms of exporting to the Israeli state military complex? You know, all these questions, that's what creating small events can do, is create conversation in community, and that's what's important. You have been listening to my interview with Stefan Christoph of Musicians for Palestine. To learn more about the campaign, go to musiciansforpalestine.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Yeah.